0: You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Today I want to talk about baptism. Pastor Keith set this up last week so well. And I think there's a few of us uh, in the room that let me point out where I want you to come from based on where you are one of these. So either you're, uh, you're possibly someone who has grown up in a Christian home or made a decision to follow Christ and you have made the decision as a result of that to step into the waters of baptism. So you're sitting here, you are following Jesus and you, you made the decision as a believer to follow Jesus' command and to step into the waters of baptism. You have been baptized. And so that's one person in this room. If that is you, today's sermon is about you continuing to celebrate what that was for you but also to celebrate it with others. Good? All right, so there's also some of us in here that uh, we have made a decision to follow Jesus, and we've been living in that, but maybe we were, we were baptized as a child, or maybe we dedicated as a child, but we've never made the decision to follow Jesus into the waters of baptism, and that's great. Um, today, I want this sermon to be an encouragement to you to say, hey, here's an opportunity that's coming up, and I will say this as much as I'll take a whole weekend, and we'll just baptize people all day long. Like, that does not bother me. But I will also make sure if you call me at 6 a.m., if you call me at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, I'm bringing the tub here. We're filling it up and we're going. Like, I'm so willing to bring that thing here at any given moment uh, and make it happen. And so there's an opportunity that, that'll be coming your way. And I, I want to walk through the sermon and encourage you as why. The, maybe for some of you, uh, you have, you're just kind of in a space. Where you're like, I don't really know Jesus. I'm kind of figuring this whole thing out still. And I think there's a message in this today um, because of what baptism, baptism represents and what it's about at the core of it. So I want to encourage you to listen, even as Nathan was sharing, that, that the Spirit wants to do something today in this space. He wants to do something in this space every weekend. But I think he wants to draw us to a place this weekend that as a church, no matter where we are as individuals, that he wants us to celebrate what, he, what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection for us and understand what baptism is. So I'm going to work on two things today. I want to convince you of two things. First thing, I want to convince you that baptism is probably a bigger deal than any of us really believe here this morning. I want to convince you that, that baptism matters. It's not just a traditional Christian ritual that we go through, but there's something about it that should matter so deeply in our souls, whether you've already been baptized, whether you're deciding and trying to figure it out, or maybe you don't even know Jesus, that this matters to us. Deeply, more than you imagine. The other thing I want to convince you of is, I actually had hair at one point in time. So uh, I was baptized when I was 22 years old, 1994, and I had mop head. um, And this is just what my hair does. I did not prepare to get in the water, so I didn't do my hair. No, this is just my hair. Um, And when I had it, I can't grow this stuff back. Um, No pill or surgery or anything's gonna ever bring that mop back. But this is in Lake Beauty, Minnesota, uh, north central Minnesota in Lake Beauty. It's actually a lake called Lake Beauty, and it is actually beautiful, and it was cold. Um, I just remember that. That is uh, our junior high pastor at the time. I was volunteering at this camp uh, as a counselor and a worship leader, and and Tim uh, baptized me that day as a result of 13 boys that were in my cabin the night before saying, all of them saying, Jason, we need to be baptized. And at 22 years old, I accepted Christ, made a decision to follow Christ when I was five. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a pastor, missionary. So like I had every, like it was an outflow of Jesus all the time. Missions, you name it. I I've lived and breathed. And I always just put it off. Because I, I was this person that's like, I, I don't think is that really that big of a deal. And I lived for 22 years of my life, um, not understanding how big of a deal until that moment when 13 boys, 13 middle school boys said, this matters. It's a big deal. And the Spirit moved in my heart in that cabin, in that place in Lake Beauty, Minnesota, saying, it should matter to you too. And my life changed as a result back in 1994. And so I want to walk through this morning. I'm going to get a little technical, and uh, we're coming out of Luke 3 of verses 21 and 22 this morning, but I'm going to be all over Scripture this morning. So we're going to start. I want to just break it down. It's like, what is baptism? And so if you got your cards and you love to take notes, today's a great note taker, but I'm going to read, and you can even see me. I'm picking up speed in my voice. Read through a lot of passages of Scripture this morning, because first and foremost, I want to break down the technical side of what is baptism, and then I'm going to move to the heart side, because we first need to understand what it is for it to matter. And then I'm praying that as, as we do understand that, and then we understand in our verses today from Luke, what it meant to Jesus. And then as a result, what it should mean for us. So what is baptism? There's a few words in scripture uh, that kind of point this out. The first one is baptismos or baptismas, It can be either way, feminine or, or, uh, or um, male um, version of that. It's a noun This is just, this word is speaking to what it is. It's it's, it's immersion, basically, and specifically Christian immersion, so people that are following after Christ. It is specifically what it is, baptismos. But there's these two other words that we see a lot, bapto, B-A-P-T-O, and this other word, baptizo. Bapto is only used, I think, four, maybe five times. And then baptizo, when you read through the New Testament, especially through the books of, book of Acts, this is the Greek word you see numerous times throughout the New Testament. This is a, these both words are verbs. They speak to the idea of being immersed, so fully encompassed by something. And so when you're immersed in something, you're fully in it. So here's the two differences between these words. One talks about what it is, the other talks about what we do. Now these last two, they're passive in their tense. Now, what that means in the Greek, it's meaning what it is uh, being done to us. uh, But instead, it's not what is being done to us, but what we do. Does that make sense? So it's not that it's, it's being done to you. That's where the passive thing is about what you are doing makes it active. And so here's a distinction of immersion, water immersion of baptism. When we see it in scripture, it's talking about being immersed in the water being fully consumed and overflown. It's, it's about us going under the water, not about the water going over us. So when we read through the scriptures and we read the original languages here, immersion's a big deal. And that's why we believe that in our church here at Westwood. That baptism is in water and it's immersed in the water. So when we bring in the tub next week, And we dunk people down into the water. We we make sure that they go completely underwater because we believe and see that in Scripture. That is specifically what it is asking us to do. And these words are powerful to think that. It helps us understand that what it is and how beautiful it is, but also understands that we have a responsibility of how we do that. And we take that responsibility seriously. So continuing on, what what is baptism? First and foremost, it's a command we see throughout Scripture. Uh, Jesus commands us to baptize. And so he goes in and say, we are called as the church to baptize other people. And Matthew 20, 19 says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as a church, that's why we will do what we do next weekend. And you will hear us say those words. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus commanded us to do that. Now, throughout the rest of Scripture, we also see that the Holy Spirit, in the passage I'm going to share with you now, through Peter, but through the apostles, commands us to be baptized. So not only is it something that we do as a body of Christ, it's something that as individuals, we're commanded to do as followers of Jesus. Acts 2, 37 through 38 says this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, hearing the gospel. This is right after Peter got up and preached. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're cut to the heart. The gospel just changed everything about their life. What do we do? Be baptized, believe and be baptized. Jump into that water. Now, you're going to, a few of you are going to read in, they like, well, does that mean that baptism represents the forgiveness of sins? Because that's how John was doing, uh, Pastor Keith talked about last week. And then Peter kind of says that. Peter addresses it. We're going to get to it in a little bit. So make a little note. We'll come back there. But our, it's a command to baptize as the body of Christ. But it also a command to be baptized as individual followers of Jesus Christ. Tracking? Am I going too fast? Awesome. It is also a symbol of new life, a symbol. It symbolizes something. Mark 16, 16 says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Meaning that there's a a place when we follow Jesus, we are born into new life. First Corinthians say we are a new creation. And so baptism, water immersion, symbolizes that new creation, that following of Jesus in our lives. The Spirit's present in us. It separates us from the condemnation of the wrath of God because of our sin. Because we've received Jesus and what baptism is about, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute, it it, it symbolizes this new life. Romans 6, 3 through 5 says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we be united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now this passage speaks exactly what baptism represents. The pulling back, the dying to ourself, the dying to our old life. Lying down like Jesus was in the grave. The Spirit's doing powerful things in that moment. And as we're pulled back out of the water, a newness of life, a celebration of what Jesus has done for us, symbolizing what he did through the cross, but also what he did through his resurrection. Beautiful picture, isn't it? My hope is that changes the way when we see baptisms happen, that we celebrate what we're watching. The gospel unfolding symbolically in front of us. Very similar to uh, when we have communion together. It's the same thing in a different form. We celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us. We celebrate it. The weird thing to celebrate is death. But we can't forget that three days later, he conquered death and we celebrate life. we share that in baptism. Colossians 2.12 says this, having been you buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. This resurrection power is life-changing. It symbolizes new life. It's also a declaration of new life. A common phrase that we associate as believers baptism is, it is an outward declaration of an inward decision. So we publicly say, I'm following Jesus. My life is changed. The Spirit is doing this work in me. And I want to step in front of the church, in front of anyone that will see, and say, I am unashamed of the gospel that is changing my life. I want to make the most of Jesus' name. I want to show him all the glory of what he's doing in me, this decision I have made to follow after him. And we are set apart because of what we believe. And What I mean by set apart is that we were living in sin as sinners, as, as separated from God, without the cross, without receiving the work of Jesus, we are condemned to hell. And that's the hard message right there. It is not that God doesn't love us or that he didn't do it. He does love us because he came and died on the cross. He sent his only son to die for us. And because of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, we are separated from a broken world and we have new life. We have an eternity in heaven with the presence of God. Scripture says we're aliens in this world. We don't belong here, even though he's called us to minister and live here, that we're set apart in this place. Now, oftentimes we look at the New Testament, we think, oh, baptism, it's all about the New Testament. Actually, uh, it happened in the Old Testament as well. Let's walk through some Jewish terms here. I'm going to get a little nerdy on biblical stuff. Um, So there's this old tradition of conversion. So these proselytes, these Gentiles that wanted to convert to Judaism had to go through a process. There was a lot of laws that they had to live up to. And as as a Gentile coming into Judaism, they had to be sure that they were pure before the Lord. And so even as a a Jew would come before the Lord at the temple to offer sacrifices or incense or or prayers before the Lord for the penance of their sin, the priest would go into the holies of holies and offer these up. They needed to be sure that these Gentiles were at the same place. And so they had to go through a few things. This does not matter of age. And some of these things are primarily for men, culturally speaking. But the first one is this, which means circumcision. Praise the Lord Jesus that he came on the cross and died for us and we're present of the Holy Spirit, and this is not a result for us men. Amen? That when we come to know Jesus, when, we wanted to, when these proselyte Gentiles wanted to become Jews, they had to go through the process of circumcision, separating, setting them apart to be children of God. And then they went through this, the tabao in a mikvah. A mikvah is basically a baptismal a pool, a small pool. And they went through this process called the tabao, a washing, a cleansing of their bodies. It symbolizes the cleansing work of the the power of God, taking all the dirt off of our bodies that were being presented before the Lord as clean in the time. So they've been circumcised, have been set apart, and then they've been cleaned physically, taking all the dirt off the bodies because you can't present an impure person to a pure God. And then they went through this last thing. It's called Corban. They offered sacrifice. So the new uh, proselyte Jew would have to offer a sacrifice to the Lord to bring that and say, Lord, I, I, I come to you to offer this sacrifice for the penance of my sins. I've been set apart. I've been washed clean. Forgive me where I am. So we see this throughout the New Testament. There's a process of, of purifying yourself before the Lord. A sacrifice is made. And baptism happens, which is pretty cool. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's a biblical thing. It's a biblical thing. So we would walk down from that and we recognize that um, there's a storyline that has been happening from the very, very beginning of time that we are set apart from this broken and sinful world through this. So let's look at how this unfolds in the New Testament. Luke 3:17 says this, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather wheat into his barn. But the shaft he will burn with the unquenchable fire. This is prophesying really about the end times. We see this in, in the book of Revelation. That when Jesus comes back, he's going to separate the wheat from the shaft. As followers of Jesus, going through the purification process like the Jews would have seen, They have been separated as wheat. They're being stored up into the kingdom of God. Mark 10, 38 through 39 says this, Jesus said to them, you did not know what you were asking. They were being asked, can we stand with you? Can we be at your right and left hand? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am being baptized? And they said to him, we are able, so arrogant of his disciples. Oh yeah, we can totally do that. Having no idea what that meant at this point. And Jesus said to them, I'm assuming I'm probably in a pretty calm, but this like, are you sure? But yeah, that cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism, which I am baptized, you will be baptized. My death and my resurrection. Interestingly enough, these these disciples that were asking this question were martyred for their faith and following Jesus. And they have new life with him. It's a beautiful thing. Luke 12, 49 through 51 says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it be already kindled. I I have a baptism to baptize with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Speaking of his death, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Separating light from the darkness, he pierced the way for us. Baptism separates us. It sets us apart into the glory of God, because we align, we, we step into the same baptism of Christ as we choose to follow him. And when we understand this truth, when we understand, when we step into what Christ has done, things change for us. So let's take a short journey and, and recognize what happens in the book of Acts, because this declaration happens throughout this whole book, and it's crazy. So I'm going to fly through some scriptures. You ready? Acts 2, 37 through 41. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter said to Peter, the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this great generation. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3000 souls they heard the gospel preached by peter and they stepped into the waters of baptism and they became a part of the body of christ acts 8:12 but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news, the gospel about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, Acts eight thirty five to 38. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, this is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts, the eunuch said, well, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip the eunuch, and he baptized him. This guy was awesome. He's here reading out of the book of Isaiah. Philip comes along and like shows up, go there to this chariot, to help him understand what it means. Can I just do this now? I don't need to wait. There's some water. Yes, let's do that. Let's get this done. Acts 19:1 through five. Oh, sorry, skipped one. Acts 16, 30 through 33. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all to all were in his house. And he took them the same hour of that night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. They believed in Jesus. They heard the gospel. They learned what that meant. And then they went down and they were baptized that day. Acts 19, 1 through 5. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into that, into what then were you baptized? And he said, into John's baptism, which was for the forgiveness of sins, preparing for the way for Jesus, as Pastor Keith preached on last week. And then Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who has to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they understood there was something different. There was something new that they needed to step into. There was a point where they said, I'm believing in Jesus, and now I have to make the decision on my own to follow after Him, to receive the Holy Spirit, to fully embrace and show that I'm following after Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These people declared it, and they ran to the waters to be baptized because they did not want anything to hold them back. They don't want anyone else to know or to not know that they're all about the way. They were all about Jesus. Now, keep in mind in this day, People were persecuted. People were persecuted for making this decision. They ran to the waters because of the change of what was going on in their lives because of Jesus. Here's what it's not. It's not salvation. 1 Peter 3.21, again, Peter mentioned that earlier. I read that verse earlier. 1 Peter 3.21 says this, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we look at this and we're like, what does this mean? Well, Peter's writing, it's not about the removal of dirt. It's not about a physical act of cleansing your body. Your body is cleansed because of the work of the cross. We have that knowledge It's through Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection, we step into the waters of baptism to align with that, to symbolize our our, our joining him in his death and his resurrection as we read in those earlier passages. And Peter writes this, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's some great examples in scripture. I mean, Jesus says, John 14, 6, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He doesn't say, hey, no one comes to the Father until you're baptized and then we'll get there. It's through me. It's through who I am and what I've done. The thief on the cross is a great example. Luke 23, that dude was never baptized. But that day, Jesus promised you will be with me in eternity. Baptism is not about salvation. It's the follow to that. It's the next thing to say, hey, Jesus has done my life and he has saved my soul. He is changing everything about me. I just want everyone to know about that. I want to know that that's true. I want to declare that that is true in my life and that we stand out. Water baptism symbolizes and represents our understanding, a clear conscience, like Peter writes it, of what Christ has done through Jesus. This is what baptism is. So let's jump to our passages today. And I'm sorry, I'm cruising through stuff, but Luke 3, 21 through 22 reads this. And these are our verses for today from Luke. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. There's a couple other passages uh, throughout the New Testament that represent the same story. Matthew three thirteen through 17. I want to read this to you as well. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill our All righteousness. And then he consented, John. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Mark 1 9 through 11, same story. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Why was Jesus baptized? He was a savior of the world. He was God in human form. He didn't have sin. He didn't make a decision to follow himself. He didn't have to go through uh, the proselyte process that was so common for the Jews, even in this time. Why in the world but the Savior of the world needs to step in the waters. Here's the three reasons why. Number one, obedience. Obedience. It all starts with that. He came to be obedient to the Father's will in and through his life. John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In verse 21, we see Jesus praying. This guy prayed a lot. And it's interesting when we see the words that he prayed and even taught us how to pray this way. He prayed something very specific. Your will be done. Jesus came down out of obedience. He stepped into the water out of obedience to his father's will. Powerful truth in that. Next thing we see is that we see him coming in. He was baptized for the fulfillment of righteousness. First Peter 2.24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He is bringing through his baptism. He's representing what he's going to do on the cross to bring and fulfill all righteousness. That piercing sword, that separating peace, the light into the darkness. He's fulfilling the prophecies of scriptures before him. Isaiah 53, 5 through 6, 8 and 12 all speak of this plan of salvation for the whole world. 1 Peter 2, 24 speaks of this fulfillment that Jesus stepped into the waters of baptism as part of the prophecy, the fulfillment of God's plan, a command in in, in respects. His baptism was the first phase of two. In the process of his ministry, his temptation, which we're gonna learn about next week. And his ministry launched out of these two phases that changed the world and still is to this day. And finally, affirmation. He stepped in the waters for the affirmation of the Father. We hear the word, the the Spirit descending upon him, basically, kind of a, a laying on of hands over Jesus. That's a big deal. The sky tore open and the spirit descended in the physical form of a dove on Jesus. And then we hear these words, the voice of God speaking audibly, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus was affirmed for the ministry and the work, the plan that was about to be fulfilled through him. The affirmations is pretty significant. It's got to be awe-inspiring, startling almost to be, be standing in this moment. Imagine John standing next to him, going, what is happening? But Jesus was affirmed by the presence and the voice of God, I am about to do great things. Watch out. Now, what does this mean for us? Why should baptism be a big deal to me? It was a big deal to Jesus. Did he, did he need to go through the process? Yes, he did, out of obedience, fulfillment, and affirmation. It's part of God's plan and God's will. So here's why baptism should be a big deal to us. Baptism celebrates a few things. It celebrates a few things. First, it celebrates what has been done for you. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. We didn't need to, be pure and be circumcised anymore. We didn't need to be uh, washed into Baal. He was the sacrifice on our behalf. He went through the process, the ritual process of God's people on our behalf. We celebrate what Jesus has done for us. That no matter what your life is, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter where you've come from, no matter what your background, Jesus came for you. He came out of the heavens, stepped into a bodily form to stand in the place and the gap for you. He put a cross on his back and walked it down the road to the Golgotha to hang himself up on that cross, to bleed out, to suffocate, to die for you because he loves you that much. You've heard me say this before. He'd rather die than live without you only three days later say, yeah, that's not enough. Look what I've got. I've got life. A newness of life for you. I'm conquering this thing called death. It ain't no more. When you step into life with me, life changes everything. Jesus, me, I change everything for you. We celebrate through baptism what has been done. For us through the cross and the resurrection. We also celebrate uh, what is being done in you. Baptism celebrates what is being done in you. This work of the Holy Spirit, we ask for that this morning through our song Holy Spirit, be in this place. Show us, reveal yourself to us. What are you doing in me? Philippians 1 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Will complete it. That the Spirit is working in you. You realize, man, I'm following Jesus, but I am a mess still. God gets that and he's working it out. He's working in you and through you. He's helping you throw away the guilt and the shame. When you stumble, when you fall, he's right there with you. When you're struggling, he's pulling you up. When Peter jumped out of the boat, he began to doubt. He started to sink. Jesus reached out his hand. And I love this about the story. There's a space between where that was happening and where the boat was. At some point in time, when Jesus reached back, reached out to Peter, and Peter responded in that moment of doubt, they still walked on water for however many steps it was. Jesus changes everything and gives you the ability to do what you need to do to follow after him. The spirit is working things out and baptism celebrates what is being done in you. Baptism also celebrates what is being done around you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, this baptism is speaking here is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that is represented in our baptism of immersion in water. But it's the unity of God's people, community, the body of Christ together. So when you step into the waters, you you look out at these people, and this is one of the most nerve wracking things for people. I got to share in front of somebody. I've got to talk out loud. Yeah, you get to. Why? Because everyone in the room shares the nervousness with you, but celebrates with you. And you get to step into this body of Christ and see what God's going to do through it. When Jesus was baptized, the affirming words for him was saying, watch what is going to happen to this man. The world is about to change. I really believe spirits doing the same thing. When we celebrate together as the church, we get to celebrate. Watch what God is going to do through this person. The world is going to change. And it's a beautiful thing. I want to invite up Megan Dean. Uh, Megan decided uh, a week ago or so that she wanted to step into the waters of baptism. She has a powerful story. And I just want her to share that with you this morning. Uh, She will be baptized next week. And uh, so you get to hear from her twice. So yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So I'm excited. So everyone welcome Megan.
1: Um Okay, I'm gonna set this down. I gotta read from my notes or I'll go off on super long tangents. Um, I'm the second option that Jason gave today. I grew up in a Christian household. I went to church weekly. Um, I was baptized as an infant with sprinkling. Um, I chose to receive Christ around the age of 12. Um, I went through confirmation at our church. There was a public declaration after that uh, with a resprinkling, sprinkling a laying of hands. Um, so I had my salvation. I had my, what I thought was my public declaration. Um, and I kind of went from that and didn't give any more thought to baptism for a long time. Um, It wasn't until I met Jason about 15 years later that I realized uh... (laughs) Um, that there were different types of baptism. Um, He was raised in an immersion style um, and talked to me about that. But I kind of brushed it up honestly, initially as a northern versus southern thing. He's from Georgia. Uh, there's snow outside why would we want to immerse ourselves in all that water i just kind of i just that was i brushed it off um we went to churches that that celebrated salvation through immersion and every time there was a baptism ceremony i would pray god do i need to do this the caveat behind that was always for salvation always resoundingly the answer was no you've done enough um so again kind of didn't i went with that it was an answer from god I didn't need the act of baptism for salvation. Um, So fast forward a little bit more. I went through the, my Jason, well, this one too, but my Jason and I went through the journey course last week. And the second step on that sheet is I have been baptized by immersion, a checklist, two boxes. I've been baptized by immersion. I want to be baptized. And I couldn't check either of those boxes. Um, I wanted to write in a third a third choice. I have been sprinkled and I've publicly accepted, um, and so I was stuck. And our encouragers um, were wonderful, and they just stopped at some at one point and said, "Megan, let's talk about your baptism." Um, and I struggled through needing it for salvation because I didn't need it for salvation. I struggled through needing it for forgiveness of sins, because that's also not quite right. And a voice in my head as loud as day said, this is for obedience. And once I heard that, I was set. Um, for me, the decision to be baptized by immersion is an act of obedience. Jesus calls us to be baptized like him. He gives us this example. The example by immersion is the only example given in the Bible. Um, And if I'm gonna live out my life like Christ and be as grow in Christ-likeness, I have to follow this example. I don't have another choice. I can't pick and choose what parts of the Bible I want to obey. I can't pick and choose what parts I want to kind of obey and fit into my life. It's all or nothing. Um, And so for me, um, I'm gonna follow this act of obedience. I don't know why. 12 years after learning there were different types of baptism, he laid it on my heart to do it this next weekend. Um, it's not my job to understand that, it's just my job to obey what he gave us. So,
0: it's awesome. Thank you, Megan. Yeah. Well, I just want to pray for you in stepping out because I'll say this to you right now if I don't get a chance to say it next week, God's going to change the world through you. And I think He already is, and the step is amazing to see what the Spirit is doing in our lives, and it's never the wrong time to respond. So let me pray for you. Lord, i thankful for the work you're doing in Megan's life. I'm thankful for her journey, that everything is there for a reason and for purpose, and that you're using her for your glory and your kingdom. And Lord, I just pray you bless her. I pray that through your power of your Spirit through her, that you will change the world through your gospel. Lord, for your glory, for your good. You use her gifts and her abilities, her strengths, her heart, everything. Lord, to see lives changed because of the word you will speak through her, starting right here, right now. Lord, we just praise you for her life. We praise you for Jay and for the family that they have. May you bless them and be faithful to them every step forward. We pray this all in your incredible name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Megan. And it's powerful to think through this. And that story, it's, just, it's never too late. My story, I waited until I was 22 it's never too late. And it really comes down, just like Megan said, it's about being all in. That Jesus is really your everything. If he's really your everything, it's not picking and choosing parts of scripture that you like compared to the parts that you don't to the parts that you don't understand. So I'm not going to bother really listening to what it says. If Jesus is really your everything, if you said in your heart and your soul, I need this change. And people, I get it. I get there's shame and there's guilt and there's stuff that you have in your life right now that is holding you back from saying that Jesus is my everything because I'm too weak. I keep tripping up over myself. I keep breaking. T- I can't step into the water. I can't do that kind of obedience stuff. I don't know if he'll ever really love you. He loves you. Wow, you are still sinners he came for. The work of the Spirit in you is transforming you. You don't have to be perfect. You're called to perfection, but you're called to perfection. You're being led there by the work of the Spirit in your life. And the question you need to ask this morning is simply this. Is Jesus really your everything? Or maybe another way to say it is: do you desire it so much in your soul, but you just can't figure out? Say, I want you to be. My everything. When Jesus stepped in the waters, he said, "God, Father, you are my everything. Your will be done." So, if Jesus is really your everything, then obedience to God's will, fulfillment of God's command, an affirmation of who you follow—Jesus. This outward expo- or declaration that. That you are beloved, this understanding that Jesus loves you, this inward decision to follow after him, is our only right and reasonable response to step into the waters of baptism. There's no guilt in this, but there's a call and a command, a celebration that we join in the work with Jesus of what he's done for us. And that's why we gather. That's why we worship every weekend. Jesus, you are everything to me. And yes, I'll be obedient even when it doesn't make sense. Yes, I, I will step forward to follow your command to fulfill what you have for me as a follower of Jesus. And yes, I, I want to affirm that I'm following you with everything I have, Lord, and I receive your affirmation that I am loved. It may not be perfect, but I am loved. Will you stand with us? Let's just continue to worship this morning, but step into that moment, and maybe there's questions you all have. I went through a lot of stuff this morning. Maybe the Spirit's working in you right now. It's never too late. But we want to respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be my everything. Help me to get get to the places I can't get to on my own. Lord, we love you We praise you. And Lord, we just simply come before you and respond in a song to say, you are our everything. Lord, you are everything. Amen.